Our reading this morning is taken from Acts, chapter 2. This is found on page 1093. Acts, chapter 2, commencing at verse 1. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. We now move on to Ephesians chapter 5, on page 1176. Ephesians chapter 5, commencing at verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what, is, what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from the heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, especially this morning, and we pray that you will warm our hearts to the truth of your love. Lord, use the words I speak and work in all of our lives to bring change and to bring life. Amen. So, I thought this morning we'd start with a little riddle. Are you good at riddles? I can move very fast, but I don't have feet. I can whistle, but I don't have a mouth. I can knock down trees, but I'm not a lumberjack. I'm measured on a special type of scale, but I don't weigh anything. It is wind. Barbara's smiling again. (laughs) That was was a very deep frown on her face. It's disturbing because you never see Barbara frown. (laughs) Yes, the wind. Interestingly, the word both in Hebrew and in Greek for the Holy Spirit is the same as the word for wind. Ruach in Hebrew and pneuma in Greek. In some ways, this is very helpful to help us to try and grapple with something of God that we just don't have the vocabulary to describe. The Holy Spirit is like, it's like a wind. Trying to describe a spiral staircase without moving your hands is sometimes quite tricky. And it's easier if you compare your tricky object to something else. So on this Pentecost morning, let's spend a few minutes considering the wind and allowing it to help us reflect on the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Holy Trinity. See what we learn. As our passage opens, the company of believers are all together in one place. Do follow it if you'd like to in your Bibles. I imagine they'd gathered together for comfort. They'd had a pretty difficult few weeks, really, since Palm Sunday, full of extraordinary highs and deep, deep lows. Nothing was working out quite the way they'd imagined it would, and to be honest, Jerusalem was not an entirely safe place to be a follower of Jesus. They're all together, and they're waiting. They're not quite sure what for, but Jesus had told them to wait. Quite unexpectedly, there was the sound of something like a loud wind that filled the house where they were. It's the best Luke could do to describe the indescribable. A sound like wind. And then what looked like tongues of fire over the heads of the believers. Now these two things, of course, are rather significant because in Scripture they signify God's power and his presence. Ezekiel tells us um, about the valley of dry bones 
brought to life by God's breath, his ruach, the wind of the spirit that brings life. And the story of Moses is where we recognize God's holiness in the fire of the burning bush. These two symbols would ring bells in the minds of Paul's Jewish audience as he stood to explain these strange happenings. And he quoted from the prophet Joel, where the Lord promises to pour out his spirit on his people. In a sense, the symbols of wind and fire will speak to these people watching of the history of the people of Israel. They would indicate that what they were witnessing was a continuation of salvation history. A continuation of God relating to his people and moving in power to save them as he had promised he would through the prophets. On this day of Pentecost, the Jewish people were gathering to celebrate the Feast of Weeks. It was a celebration of thankfulness, of rejoicing before God with their families, their servants, with strangers and friends, with the fatherless and the widow. Everyone was included in this festival. This wonderful Jewish celebration with gratitude was about to take on new significance. So, when their days of waiting were over, God's Holy Spirit came upon the assembled group and caused them to burst into praise. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit does for us. It fills our heart with joy and awe at God's love for us and causes us to worship him. In this instance, all present were touched by the Holy Spirit and they began to praise God. But most unusually, in languages understood by everyone present, not necessarily their own language. It's very moving, don't you think, that God chooses to reach out to people using a language that speaks to their heart, not requiring them to jump a further hurdle of learning a foreign language. As you'll see on the back of your new sheet for this week with the Wycliffe Bible translators, they've translated scripture into the language of the Bannon people. So here the Holy Spirit empowers individuals to speak out his praise in many foreign tongues so that people can hear God's love in a way that they really understand. This festival meant that God-fearing Jews had gathered in Jerusalem from all over the known world. They couldn't have expected to have heard God's praises being proclaimed by Galileans in their mother tongue, but this is exactly what was happening. People were bewildered, amazed, perplexed, we're told. They didn't know how to explain what was happening. Some were critical. They suggested drunkenness, even at that early time of the day. And others were derisory. They made fun. People cope with uncertainty in different ways, don't they? Not everyone who hears the gospel and sees the work of the Holy Spirit will accept it as from God. 
Some will laugh and sneer. Sadly, some will choose to reject God when he reaches out to them. But many will not. Many will accept the truth when they hear it expressed in a way they can relate to. And on that day, 3,000 new believers were baptized. So, here they are, a group of 120 believers, not unlike our own fellowship when we're all gathered together, actually, all singing God's praises in different languages. What a beautiful thought that is. It must have been quite a hullabaloo, really. It certainly caused a stir in Jerusalem. The wind of the Spirit came and touched all the believers. Although they had been waiting for its arrival, it didn't look the way they thought it might, and it brought unexpected change. So what does it mean for us today, this arrival of the breath or wind of the Holy Spirit? Jesus likened the Holy Spirit to the wind when he was talking to Nicodemus. So I wondered what that picture might help us learn. We speak of a breath of fresh air, don't we? Of blowing away cobwebs, of clearing the air, the wind of change. These are all phrases in our own language. All of these linguistic devices suggest something blowing through and setting us free from habits or ways of thinking that keep us stuck in a rut. Does that describe you this morning, I wonder? Do you need the wind of change in your life? Do you perhaps need the Holy Spirit to blow through your life and clean out old ways of thinking and being? When we think meteorologically, Certainly, we understand a lot more about the weather than perhaps they did in biblical days. But we're no nearer to being able to control the wind, are we? We certainly see where a hurricane has been. We might understand why it has happened, but we can't stop it happening. Big storms are rare in this country. But when they happen... The disturbance caused by the power of the wind usually makes the news, doesn't it? More commonly, we feel the wind in its gentler forms here in England. On a warm day, people open their windows to let the wind in. Sailors look for it to fill their sails and take them where they want to go. Scientists try to catch its power. We can see where it's been, but not where it's going. So I suppose the first thing we notice about the wind is its lack of predictability. The Holy Spirit, says Jesus, is like the wind. We can't control it or manufacture it to order. It moves where it will. We can see it in others, bringing change and beauty. We can welcome it and be resourced by its power, but we can't demand its presence. Secondly, the Holy Spirit, like the wind, comes with power. Wind makes curtains and flags flutter, 
and disturbs papers. It dries our washing, drives turbines to make electricity. Birds soar with it beneath their wings. On a bad day, it destroys buildings and even whole neighborhoods in some parts of the world. It is very powerful. And if you welcome it and embrace it, it can be a great blessing. As I prepared for this sermon, I was sitting in the garden outside my office down there, and I watched my little old Bible here. It's on the table next to me. And when I turned its spine towards the wind, it just blew over it. It was easy to resist its power. But when it faced into it, its leaves were ruffled. All my little bits and pieces of paper, my notes started blowing away, leaving the pages clear. And that picture really spoke to me of the activity of the Holy Spirit in my own life. Do I have my back to him, resisting his gentle attempts to release me from the past? Or am I brave enough to face into him, to welcome his disturbing power in my life, and to let him blow away all the accretions of life, all the things that build up? Am I willing to let his gentle power loosen the grip of my pages and set me free? How about you? Are you keen to hang on to all those little things that you've tucked away in secret between the pages of your heart? Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit have free reign in your life? To clear things out that shouldn't be there and set you free? The third and final thing that I'd like us to reflect on is that the breath or wind of the Holy Spirit can be said to help us party. In my family, celebrations of any sort always seem to involve balloons. I've never quite understood why, Hannah, have you? I don't know. But balloons expand, as Tim said earlier, they expand and grow as they're filled with breath and they bring great joy and exuberance to an event. As Christians allow the Holy Spirit to fill them, they too expand and grow, filling out their potential in Jesus. They're no longer shrunken and dark, but rather bright and plump and round. One might say, living life to the full as Jesus intended. That's not to say that there won't be challenges in life along the way, but rather that filled by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Christian brother or sister meets their difficulties, resourced in a different way. In this very challenging season for the Coptic Church, His Grace Bishop Angelos has said, our journey may well entail struggle, but it will end in joy because of our Lord's resurrection. If you'd like to hear 
his thoughts to help you process the appalling acts of terror that we've heard of in this last week or two. They can be found on the Thy Kingdom Come website. It's very moving. When my children were tiny, the other way they enjoyed the wind was in flying a kite. There are few more joyful sights than children flying kites on a breezy day as they dance in the wind. When those first believers were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were moved to praise God. What an attractive proposition that we might be so filled with the Holy Spirit that our hearts dance. They overflow, offering God exuberant praise. Does that describe you today? Is your heart so filled with gratitude for God's love of you that you simply want to praise him? So, when we say the Holy Spirit is like wind, we find a lack of predictability, immense power, and the encouragement to parting. What a combination. When the Holy Spirit fell on the assembled believers that first Pentecost Sunday, in a sense, the Christian church was born. In a fulfillment of the prophecy from Isaiah 32, God's people were filled and resourced. The prophet Joel had said that God's Holy Spirit would fall on all people not just the Jews, but that all people would be saved. This first Pentecost Sunday meant that that day had come and the church was equipped to witness to the truth of the gospel. We must ask ourselves, are we, do we feel equipped? The wind and fire of this amazing event were outward signs of an internal reality for those first disciples. The Holy Spirit came and filled them and made them behave differently. And I wondered, as a church, can the effects of the infilling of the Holy Spirit be seen in our lives today? Can it be seen in us? On Wednesday evening, the PCC gathered as part of the Thy Kingdom Come call to prayer. Not unlike those first believers, some of us had had a difficult week. Many had rushed straight in from work. We came to God's presence, I think it's fair to say, some of us anyway, somewhat reluctantly. Perhaps out of duty more than anything else, we were all quite tired, a bit empty, I certainly was hungry for my supper. The meeting opened and we asked the Holy Spirit to come and we prayed and we listened for his voice. We worshipped in song and, and we prayed. Do you know after an hour in God's presence, there was a discernible change in our body language. Something happened inside of us because when we ask God to meet with us, he does. God always hears and answers the prayers of his people. Even if you don't think you're eloquent and put things beautifully. 
God's Spirit is not just for Pentecost Day. It's for this day. Thy kingdom come has been, uh, has been a call to prayer for our neighbours, for our neighbourhood, and for our nation. From Ascension Day, we have called out to God and we have waited. We've walked our streets and we have prayed. Now here we are, like those first believers at Pentecost Sunday, ready to receive the Holy Spirit. God's unpredictable power to resource us, not only to celebrate his love on a Sunday, but also to live in a way that speaks of that love to those around us seven days a week, in a way that they will really understand, in their heart's language, perhaps with words, perhaps by the way we live. St. Francis of Assisi is reported to have said, preach the gospel always. If necessary, use words. Preach the gospel always. If necessary, use words. The Holy Spirit resources us to live eloquent lives that speak of him, to overcome bad habits and traumas in our own lives, and to deal well with sin in the life of others. Perhaps you've got a difficult family member or neighbor or work colleague. Why not pray for the Holy Spirit to resource you to show you how to show God's love to them? Why not pray for the people sitting next to you this morning, that the Holy Spirit will fill them and resource them to live their lives seven days a week, wherever God has placed them, in a way that proclaims God's glory. As we read earlier, the first believers waited and the Holy Spirit came upon them, filled them, and then sent them out, praising God, overflowing with his joy and his love. So I'm going to end with some questions and an invitation. Do you need the wind of change in your life? Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit have free reign through your whole life? Are we filled and ready to share the good news to those around us? If you long to be filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit and to be resourced by him to live a life that declares God's love wherever you are, there is no better day than Pentecost Sunday to do as the first believers did and come. Invite the Holy Spirit to fill you today with his power and his presence to live a life of witness and worship for him. Amen.